Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I am Jan Fran. Today is Monday, the 8th of March, and a very happy International Women's Day to you, Annika Smithhurst. Happy Ladies' Day to you <laughs> as well, Jan. Are you, are you doing anything to celebrate today? It is a public holiday in Melbourne and in a lot of parts of Australia, so no, I will be going to work. But I hope everybody who is having a day off is having a wonderful day. You know what? Every day is International Women's Day to me, so that I celebrate every day, not just today, frankly. And you and Tom are talking about a very unusual solution for Victoria's hotel quarantine woes. Yeah, we're going to be talking actual robocops. Uh, which is not a thing that I thought that I'd be saying this morning, but we're going to take a look at the possible plan to have all sensing, all seeing robots patrolling the quarantine hotel hallways. You know, we sort of see it as being essentially eyes and ears on a floor without having human contact. Yeah, limiting human contact. Could robots be the answer to curbing the spread of the coronavirus or is this actually just the beginning of the robot apocalypse? Both possible. Uh, That's coming up in just a little bit. But first, the headlines. Former Prime Minister Julia Gillard, current Health Minister Greg Hunt and Health Department Secretary Brendan Murphy have fronted cameras to receive their COVID-19 jabs. No matter what side of politics you barrack for, no matter who you intend to vote for, there is a united message and that united message is please get the vaccine. That was Julia Gillard there, if you didn't already notice from her very distinguishable voice. The three received the AstraZeneca vaccine in a show of support for the government's vaccination program, which the health minister, Greg Hunt, has really been pushing GPs to get on board with the rollout for. All accredited general practices across the country were invited to uh, participate. Uh, We were hoping our best estimate was that uh, maybe 2,000 would uh, apply and be accepted. Well, it is good news for the health minister then because somewhere around double that, 4,500 GP clinics have signed up to help with the vaccine rollout. The rollout of the AstraZeneca jab will begin on March 22. Clinics will begin notifying patients in the next week. Yeah, and look, good news for the country all round. It's, it's always important to sort of check in, but the last month has been relatively COVID-free in Australia, except for Victoria. They've had a handful of scattered cases over the last month. And TV audiences around the world, really I mean just me, are waiting for the Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah Winfrey, which is set to air today. It's really liberating to be able to have the right and the, the privilege in some ways to be able to say yes, I'm ready to And to I'm say it for talk. yourself. To say it for and yourself. And not to have to consult with anybody at this point. Yeah, to be able to just make a choice on your own and just be able to speak for yourself. That was Meghan Markle there speaking to the actual Queen, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> You're not the only one waiting for this one, Jan. The 90-minute interview will be broadcast on America's CBS at 8 o'clock New York time, which is midday in Australia, Eastern Standard Time, and about 9am if you're in Perth. Australian viewers, though, will have to wait a little bit longer with Network 10 set to air the interview in full at 7.30 tonight. Apparently nothing is off limits in this interview. So Oprah is expected to cover everything from the split from the royal family and their very sort of difficult relationship with the media, how their relationship is going. And, you know, there's been a bit of royal drama in the last week as well. Uh, Megan's been accused of bullying by um, former staff members and the palace says that it's looking into it as well. So there's a lot going on. Also, Prince Philip, he's quite old and in hospital and we're not really sure 
uh, what's going to happen in in the next few days. So yeah, and they're going to play that interview no matter what happens to Prince Philip, which. Could be a little awkward if his health takes a turn for the worst in the next 24 hours. Well, you know, they're not our family, so we don't really have to worry <laughs> about that one too much, I think. And Australia has cut defence ties with Myanmar after Burmese authorities again cracked down on protests in the country, opening fire on demonstrators again yesterday. Foreign Minister Maurice Payne said in a statement last night that Australia will suspend the defence cooperation program it has with the Burmese military. Authorities in Myanmar have been using increasing force against protesters as people continue to take to the streets in opposition to last month's coup. Now, we did do a story about this. We spoke to Southeast Asia expert Keith Souter back in February. He said the military is not going anywhere. Well, the military has said they're going to stay in power for at least a year. Now, remember, if you look back at the history of Myanmar, Burma, over the last 70-odd years since independence from Great Britain. They um, have had most of that time under military rule. Maurice Payne also used the opportunity to again call for the release of Myanmar's former leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, and her Australian advisor, Sean Tunnell. All right, that is it for our headlines today. Tom joins me next to talk Robocops in quarantine. What went wrong inside a quarantine hotel? Tough new lockdown measures for Melbourne households. New measures, new rules for both metropolitan Melbourne and regional Victoria. The botched hotel quarantine program. The system that should have stopped the virus actually helped spread it. Haunting memories for Melbournians there. They went through hell last year, nearly four months of lockdown, basically because of human errors in hotel quarantine. Yeah, so what if there was a way to take the human error out of the equation here so that it never happens again? Yeah, we're about to explore a very interesting solution, basically a COVID robocop. That are alive, you are coming with me. Could robots be the answer to hotel quarantine or other risky COVID scenarios? That's the question we're looking at in today's briefing. So the Victorian government are actually looking into this. They're in talks with a security company called Monjon about using their robots to patrol hotel corridors and walkways. Yeah, now, robots have been used around the world to tackle coronavirus in various different ways. Um, Similar robots guarded players and staff in hotels at last year's US Open. In Singapore, there are robot dogs that patrol parks and remind you to social distance, and they are terrifying. Let's keep Singapore healthy. For your own safety and for those around you, please stand at least one metre apart. Thank you. In the UK, there have been robots that have been used to deliver food to residents, so that eliminates the human contact. China's used robots to disinfect hospital rooms. Rwanda uses them to screen patients' temperatures and to give patients medicine. So things are happening. I mean, they're happening in small pockets, but they're definitely happening. So let's find out what the robots that might be introduced here actually do. Brian Goodsblom is the CEO of Monjon Australia. That's the security company behind the robots. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Can you describe your robots? Are they kind of the R2-D2 Star Wars kind of vibe or number five in short circuit? Can you tell us what they look like? I don't know what number five in short circuit is. It's a 1980s movie. It was huge. Oh, man. (laughs) No idea. Can you illuminate us, please, Brian? So they stand about five foot two, so um, just over... Jan's height. Yeah, that's as tall as me. <laughs> there you go. I had no idea um, they were that tall. Designed to look over sort of workstation. So if you imagine a high-level workstation sort of peers about sort of four or five inches above a, a workstation, 
and they've got 60-odd sensors on them. So um, they're an autonomous robot. So once we've programmed them around your workspace or, you know, a community area or whatever space we're sort of wanting it to go in, they're essentially autonomous. And they roll around with 60-odd sensors, 360-degree cameras, you know, temperature sensing, pressure sensing, humidity sensing, carbon monoxide, liquid um, measuring, moisture sensing, a whole bunch of things. So... Um, and essentially, we bring that data back, and anything that the robot doesn't understand is triaged by a security operative. So, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. So, were they designed for the hotel quarantine context, or do they just happen to work well in that environment given their existing functionality? We are still yet to uh, be in hotel quarantine. Media has suggested that we're doing a pilot. We're still talking to them about that. So it's still not quite there. But in terms of how we sort of see a user case working, uh, you would get uh, a robot on the floor. At the moment, you know, we've got police or private sort of security operatives on a floor. We believe that by putting a robot on that floor, you're taking the human contact piece away. And we sort of see that as quite imperative. So imagine getting out of a lift uh, as a health worker or someone delivering food or a cleaner. They would badge on, not necessarily tap on it, but they would certainly, you know, facial recognition to the robot. Uh, the robot would pick a timestamp and date stamp that event. They would go do their business, come back, time stamp, date stamp again on the way out. And then just imagine the robot going for a, a stroll along the hallway and just picking up whether. The door was open, um, whether the noise levels, you know, day 13, mum and dad might be arguing. Um, the robot would pick the sense that noise level has changed, go down to and find that noise. Uh, and then we would triage that by, you know, sending the appropriate people up to, to have a chat maybe. So, you know, we sort of see it as being you know, essentially eyes and ears on a floor without having human contact. That's a bit of a frightening example you've just given, you know, policing people's Domestic behavior. disputes. Could, they go, could this go too far, this kind of monitoring? No, well, I think it's, I mean, ultimately what we're doing is we're quarantining people for 14 days. And I think it's really important that we ensure that health, you know, health and well-being of people is there as well. I mean, we've seen a lot of that in the media. All we're sort of suggesting is that in the event that there was arguments on a floor or noise level adjustments, and we can pick that up. Um, and then you would triage that. And then it would be the same as if there was a, a human on the floor, a police officer on the floor today. So are these robots sort of dobbers? Are they dobbing on people, no. security guards? No, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest they're dobbing. Ultimately, they are a surveillance tool, right? So they're, they're another category and a whole bunch of security tools, I guess, that we, we have at our disposal currently, you know, whether it's CCTV, whether that's noise, activation, panic alarms, all of that sort of stuff, we can, you know, this is just another category. I imagine they wouldn't sleep with the people in quarantine, which would be great. Could yeah, they also? Very good call, Tom. It's <laughs> a very good call. Could the they... answer is no, they won't. Yeah, okay, good. Um, could they also, like, deliver the food? You said a, a health worker or a hospitality worker might come and be um, recognised by the robot. Could they then hand, say, the, the tray of food to the robot who would then drop it at the door? Yeah, so the robot doesn't have any arms on it. It's essentially a, it's got a, a blue sleeve on it with a, a imagine a, an iPad on the front of it with um, some CCTV. I mean, it's a good looking robot without arms. Um, we're not quite there in terms of a robo style uh, robot. It essentially is a, a facility management security tool, not a, not a delivery tool. Is it only the Victorian government you're talking to or are there other jurisdictions where they're considering using these yeah, robots? Certainly having chat with Victoria and we've had interest from other, other states.
And where are you at with discussions with the Victorian government? We spoke to Justice late September last year, um, essentially when we came out of that, um, sort of into that second lockdown and had some really good conversations at that point. They decided that they wanted to use a capital expenditure model and spend money on CCTV. And we were sort of outed at that point in time. What's come out is that some hotels did have some expenditure on CCTV and others didn't. And uh, about five weeks ago, six weeks ago, um, the government sort of reached out to us and sort of said, hey, look, we'd love to have, um, commence chats again. So that's where, that's where we're at right now. Brian, how else are these robots being used overseas in high-risk COVID settings? So we, as in Monjon, last year in September, did the hotel quarantine bubble for the US Tennis Open. Mm -hmm. and did a very similar thing. So we asked it to do essentially four things. We asked it to ensure that the players and administrators in that hotel were wearing their badges and ID'd so we could ID whether they are, you know, tennis officials or players. If they weren't, then that went back to a security operations centre for monitoring and talking to those people that were in the hotel. Um, We monitored people that were leaving the hotel between 10pm and 4am in the morning and doing a calculation on the time that they were gone, so whether it was out for smoke or whether it was, you know, they'd actually gone out of the hotel for a period of time, and obviously questions were asked if it, they went out for a period of time. Uh, trips and falls and hazards, so any hazards that were on the floor, the robot would pick up and again sort of triage that back to a security operations centre. And PPE, so making mm. sure that people were wearing their masks. Mm. I mean, it does make sense in a hotel quarantine situation, I guess, because it does eliminate human contact and, mm. you know, it reduces the risk of transmission. But you are putting people out of work as well. Do you feel bad about that? Well, yeah, this question is asked a lot. I sort of, I wouldn't say that we're actually putting people out of work. What we are is we're sort of displacing, and what I mean by that is we still need security operatives at the back of the robot. So if the robot picks up something it doesn't understand or hasn't been trained to, to, to know, then a security operative will take over and triage that problem. So we still have security operatives in the back end. We also uh, think about, you know, we need engineers to sort of run the robot, we need software engineers to help facilitate and manage the robot. So, you know, we're we sort of suggesting that it's not a case of us actually getting rid of security people. Um, it's just a displacement of activity. What the robot is doing is mundane, is, is essentially doing mundane tasks. And what we want security operatives to do is be efficient and effective in the tasks that they manage. So thinking big picture and thinking beyond the capabilities of your robot and to the broader capabilities of, of robots... Could robots end COVID for us? Like if they were used in hospital facilities, like high-risk spaces like that, as well as hotel quarantine, potentially airports, other spaces, mm. could they be the magic solution? I don't think they necessarily a panacea, but I think they're a really good tool um, to help sort of stop or facilitate the, the stopping of COVID in certain areas. I mean, if you took a, a shopping centre, for instance, um, as another example, you know, you've got an information booth where you've got a person that sits there and directs people to, uh, you know, to a particular shop or questions like that. You know, a robot could be that intermediary as well, right? So the robot sits there, it's touch screen, it's got an antibacterial, antiviral screen on it, so it kills COVID when people do touch it. Mm. You know, you could have that concierge in the back of the robot then directing, and then the robot could actually, you know, take the person to that shop even. So it's about eliminating that human contact, Tom, as you just said. Mm. And I think by doing that, you know, that 
then you know saves us you know potentially saves us lives obviously but certainly saves people you know the transmission happening is just another stopping point is this the beginning of the robot apocalypse Brian do we get robots in (laughs) in the year of our Lord 2021 to tackle the coronavirus (laughs) and then regret it later and then regret it is this what's happening I I don't think so I mean ultimately I think you know we look at what autonomous cars are going to bring to to the world and I think just you know where robots will bring some some positive um, elements to life and I think you know as long as we're thinking about it in a good way that they'll all be good but you know, we're certainly in the R2-D2 category, <laughs> making, <laughs> making sure that they're, they're safe and friendly so, yeah. <laughs> rather than rather than the other. Brian Goodsblum there, CEO of Monjon Australia. Interesting to hear a little bit about what's going on in the other countries. It sounds like we're a little bit behind the eight ball here in Australia with the use of robots in the COVID context. I'm slightly surprised that we're not seeing robots being used on a much broader scale. They're being used in different pockets around the world, but... Human beings are the problem here, right? Like you in want everything, to, <laughs> in all facets of life. But you want to keep humans as far away from other humans as possible, and this does seem like a very kind of interesting solution. I wonder how it will go, or if even it will go in Victoria. And that is it for our show today. Tomorrow we're going to ask what I think is a very timely question, given all of the terrible news we've been hearing out of Canberra these last few weeks. Why on earth would anyone want to go into politics? That is what we're discussing on tomorrow's show. Hope to see you then. Bye. Listener.